Welcome back to Informed and Inflamed, where we seek to inform our minds with truth in order to inflame our hearts with love for God and neighbor. I'm Brad Owens, and I'm excited that you're joining us today for episode number three. In this episode, I wanted to share some things with you from a book I recently finished called Corporate Worship, written by Matt Merker. The subtitle is How the Church Gathers as God's People. This is such an encouraging little book. It's only about 130 pages long, but it puts forward a beautiful vision of the corporate worship gathering of God's people. If you were to read this book, I think one thing you would definitely come away thinking is, wow, what a gift of grace God has given to us in corporate worship. But what I want to do in our time together today is to unpack the three big goals of corporate worship that Matt Merker identifies in this book. When God's people come together once a week to worship and adore the Lord of all creation, these are the three big targets we are aiming for. And they are, number one, exalting the Lord, number two, edifying the church, and number three, evangelizing the lost. Exalting, edifying, and evangelizing. That's what we'll be thinking about together in this episode. Matt Merker, he summarized these three purposes of corporate worship with this statement. He says, God gathers us together unto his glory, that's exalting, for our mutual good, that's edifying, before the world's gaze, that's evangelizing. And that is Matt Merker's answer to these questions. Why does God gather us together? What are his purposes and priorities for the assembled church? And what does he call us to do when we meet together? His answer again is, God gathers us together unto his glory for our mutual good before the world's gaze. So now let's think a little more deeply on each one of these things. Number one, exalting the Lord. The first priority and purpose of corporate worship is to exalt the Lord. In everything we do, we are to aim for this. To exalt something means to lift it up in order to draw attention to it. Maybe you've gone fishing before and made quite a catch, and everyone around you says, Whoa, hold that up so everybody can see. That's what it means to exalt something. Or we've all probably been to birthday parties where we hear a parent tell the kid who's opening their presents, hold that up so I can get a picture. When we worship the Lord as a gathered community, this is what we seek to do. We want to hold the Lord up and draw attention to his glory and grace. And in the words of Matt Merker, we approach God to adore his unrivaled beauty. And D.A. Carson, he says that worship involves ascribing all honor and worth to our Creator God precisely because He is worthy, and delightfully so. So our worship of the Lord, it comes in response to God's goodness and grace. As God's people, we have every reason to come before the Lord to offer praise and adoration 
because of all that he has done for us. Not only has he created us and provided everything we need, as important as those things are, but he has also gone so far as to rescue us from our sins, something that was incredibly costly for him to do. And yet God delighted to do this, to show us how great and how deep his love is for sinners like you and me. Romans 5 verse 8, it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, dead in our sins, wanting nothing to do with God, while we were in that horrible and ugly condition, it was precisely then that the Lord saved us to show us how much he loves us. So in light of our salvation in Christ, how could we not want to exalt the Lord together, drawing people's attention to him and lifting him up so that everyone around us understands what a glorious treasure we have found in him. Psalm 34 verse 3 is a beautiful verse that highlights what we're talking about. It says, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. This is what the Lord delights to see when we come together for worship. His people holding up his glorious name and saying, look at this God. Look at what he has done for us. Look at how he loves us and look how far he was willing to go to save us from our sins. That is how we magnify the Lord. Just as a kid might pull out a magnifying glass to get a better, close-up look at a tiny insect, so we highlight and we magnify the attributes of our God as we sing and pray and serve and give and sit under God's Word together. It's hard to say it any better than Matt Merker says it in his book. He says, Exaltation is the heartbeat of God's gathered people. What we are after in our worship together as God's people is the exaltation and adoration of our great God and Savior. Exalting and adoring the Lord is what we were made for. And only when we do this will our hearts be truly satisfied. Corporate worship with God's people provides us with a powerful reminder of this. And it's something we need to hear and be reminded of so often. So many things out there in the world call for our attention and our affections, and they tell us that they can offer us what our hearts truly long for. And yet we know that the God-sized hole in our hearts can only be filled up by the Lord. Again, corporate worship reminds us of how pointless it is trying to find satisfaction for our hearts' deepest longings in anything other than the one who made us. So our first priority and goal in corporate worship is to exalt the Lord together. Number two is edifying the church. The second priority and purpose of corporate worship is to edify the church. To edify means to instruct and to build up, to nurture and develop God's people with the resources God has appointed for our growth in godliness. According to Matt Merker, exaltation is the vertical dimension of our corporate response to God's initiating grace. 
Edification is the horizontal dimension. Both take place at the same time. As we exalt God, we edify one another. So as he says, these two priorities of our gathered worship, they can't be disconnected or pulled apart. They feed each other. Exalting Christ edifies the church. So when we gather for worship, we come together as a community of rescued sinners. We come to be renewed and reinvigorated by the gospel, and we do this together, side by side. The purpose of gathered worship on the Lord's day is not for us to have a personal one-on-one experience with the Lord while we block out everything else happening around us. No, the goal is to be mindful of each other as we lift up our voices together and exalt the Lord together. Ephesians 5 verses 18 through 20 commands us to be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we worship and exalt the Lord as a people who have been bound together by our covenant commitment in Christ. We are committed to each other. And in corporate worship, we sing not only to the Lord, but as Ephesians 5 makes clear, we address one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. So we sing to the Lord and we sing to each other. Matt Merker, he has a great illustration of this in his book. He says, when you think about it, we're familiar with the idea of addressing multiple audiences at once. At bedtime, when the whole family is around, I might say something like this to my wife while winking at our daughter. Someone did a great job of obeying my instructions while we were at the park today. I inform my wife, but my daughter knows that I want her to receive encouragement from my report. And corporate worship is similar. While we address our worship to God, we simultaneously spur one another on. So you see, there's a subliminal message underneath our worship of God that we send to each other. It's as if we say to each other, listen to these praises that you hear around you. Find your soul's joy and delight in God. Remember and take comfort in His promises. And that is how we encourage and excite sincere worship of God in each other. Our heartfelt worship invites our brothers and sisters in Christ to join us in exalting and magnifying the beauty of the Lord. That is how we seek one another's good in corporate worship. And lastly, number three, evangelizing the lost. The third priority and purpose of the gathered worship of God's people is to evangelize the lost. The worship service is ultimately ordained by God as a gathering of God's redeemed and rescued people. And yet we are expected to bump into non-Christians in our worship gatherings. 1 Corinthians 14, 24 and 25 makes it clear that non-believers will be in our midst and will sometimes be powerfully impacted by what they experience among us. 1 Corinthians 14, 24 and 25 says this, But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or outsider enters, 
He is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Wow, now isn't that what we should hope would happen to non-Christians who come to visit one of our worship services? That they would be so deeply affected by the words and the worship of God that they would be broken over their sin and see the beauty of the gospel in meeting their most desperate need. Another way to express this goal of evangelizing the lost is to say that we are called to gospelize the lost. To evangelize simply means to declare the gospel, and everyone needs to be gospelized. Even after we come to know the Lord and trust in Him for salvation, we never outgrow our daily need for the gospel. We never graduate or move on from the gospel. The gospel is the crux and core of Christianity, and it should continually saturate our worship services because of our ongoing need for it. And our hope and prayer is that as non-believers visit our worship gatherings, that they would be deeply and radically impacted by the love and grace of the Holy God. The Holy God, He confronts us in our sinfulness, and yet He has also done everything necessary to deal with our sin. He and He alone has paved the way for us to come back to Him. As we exalt Christ and edify the church through remembering and cherishing and celebrating this gospel, it is our great delight and joy to also see the lost come into a saving relationship with God through our worship. So as we delight in the Lord through singing and praying and giving and putting ourselves under the good authority of God's holy word, we love to see our heartfelt worship lead to the salvation of others. As we worship on Sunday mornings, these three things should be pieces of our prayers. We pray that our glorious and gracious King would be lifted up and magnified among us. And we pray that the church would advance in her pursuit of godliness, being built up and encouraged through the Spirit. And as we worship before the world's gaze, we pray that the lost would be found by Jesus, that they would encounter Jesus in all of His glory, in all of His grace, through the worship of God's gathered people. So next time you are sitting or singing or praying in corporate worship, be mindful of these three goals and turn them into prayers for your local church. As Tim Keller has said before, prayer turns theology into experience. May these three priorities of worship not simply be things we intellectually agree with in our heads, but may they also be realities we actually experience as we do life together as God's dearly loved children, those who have been adopted and brought into His family by the beautiful grace and the unfailing love of Christ. Well, that is it for episode three of Informed and Inflamed. Thank you again for joining me, and I look forward to connecting with you again next time. And until then, may you and your local fellowship of believers 
be blessed as you seek to exalt the Lord, to edify the church, and to evangelize the lost in and through your worship of the one true God.